As the kids are going, why don't uh, the rest of you open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. This series we've been in called Decent Exposure has been great. We've been taking a look at Christ and what He reveals Himself as. And uh, this morning we've got one of the most interesting passages. I can remember uh, 20 years ago I got to hear a sermon on John chapter 6 and it changed my life. I remember hearing these words and and understanding these things in a new and fresh way. And uh, John 6 has always been one of my favorites. And it's one of my favorites because it employs a powerful metaphor. And it's the metaphor of bread. Now, I don't know how many of you here are bread lovers. Uh, any bread lovers here? Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, a meal is not complete if it doesn't have bread of some sort. You know, preferably white, preferably highly processed, uh, preferably, you know, I mean, there's just something like that. Go other places in the world. And, uh, you know, there's rice. If you don't have rice, I lived in the Philippines. And if you didn't have rice, you didn't actually eat. Uh, but, but here it's bread. But, you know, bread is not, uh, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. I mean, there are problems associated with bread. Did you know that more than 98% of convicted felons are bread users? Uh, it's true. And half of all children who grow up in bread-eating households score below average on standardized tests. <laughs> so be careful with your bread. In fact, uh, bread has been proven to be addictive. Subjects deprived of bread and given only water to eat beg for bread in as little as two days. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've got to be very, very careful. In fact, 90% of violent crimes are committed within 24 hours of consuming bread. No. What's the point of all that? The point of that is that everybody eats bread, right? I mean, some point in time, you put, how many of you had bread of some your own flavor, whichever kind is your favorite, my personal favorite? Um, there's a variety of kinds that are reflected in world culture. There's the Jewish challa, there's the Russian rye, the German pumpernickel, the French baguette the Italian focaccia, the Irish soda, the Arabian pita, the Indian chapati, the Mexican tortilla. So every culture expresses these in their own way. So then when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's significant. John chapter 6. For those of you who have been following along with this, you know that the feeding of the 5,000 has already happened. So we've just come out of this place where Jesus does this incredible miracle. And uh, he employs now, again, this other metaphor. Um, most of us have problems thinking in terms of metaphor. Uh, but as we've seen so far in the book of John, many, many of those, Jesus is the master illustrator. He's the master teacher. Um, just flip back a couple of pages and let's just talk about some of the metaphors that have been used so far in the book of John. Okay? Go ahead and just flip back. Look, call out a couple of metaphors that Jesus has used, as we've talked about. We usually think, because we're products of Western education and mindset, we think literally, scientifically. Jesus thinks in stories and pictures. What are some of the metaphors that Jesus has used? Okay, water. Right, exactly. Okay, lamb. What else? Lights. Birth. What's that? Son of God, okay, son, that's a metaphor, very good. Others? 
I just quickly wrote down light, word, birth, hunger, thirst, food. Now those are all things that I, I just get. I, you know, I understand hunger. I feel it. I know it. You all know it too. We can all instantly relate. And what Jesus then does is He leverages that personal experience that you and I have and says, now I want to teach you something deeper. So here it is. He's come off this great experience of 5,000 being fed. He walks away by going across the Sea of Galilee, scares the disciples out of their wits, and finds them and shows them up there. So here we are. And in chapter 6, verse 25, he says, they say, Rabbi, teacher, Jesus, how in the world did you get here? And he just blows them off. Look at verse 27. Verse 26, sorry. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now remember, this isn't just a few disciples. This is the multitude. They tracked him down. They followed him here to this place. So I want to just see five things about Jesus as he describes himself in this metaphor of bread. And the first one is, he's bread that endures. He's bread that endures. This is the first of four verily, verily statements. So that means, that means heads up, listen up, pay very strict attention to what I'm about to say. He says, you seek me. And then verse 27, do not work for the food which perishes. Hey, you were hungry. You're hungry again already from the feeding that I gave you with the 5,000. And look, it's proved. You're hungry again. Don't seek that food, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Jesus is disappointed that the disciples, many of the disciples and the, and the crowd, have just hungered after Him just so they can fill His stomach again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 52 tells us that even the disciples didn't understand. They're looking for something else. And isn't that just human nature? You know, you do something spectacular one day, I want something super spectacular the next day. Wow, this guy's, this guy's a gold mine. This guy's, you know, feeding me when I'm hungry. Well, what, what can he do for me next? A couple of weeks ago when we were uh, uh, speaking about, uh, uh, in John chapter 5, I, I used this illustration of fast food nation, right? That uh, Jesus is there with the woman at the well and the disciples say, well, who brought... Who brought Jesus something to eat? Right? And that idea that there are so many things that are calling out, that are, that are appealing to our hungers. There's this menu in front of us of all these kinds of things. And Jesus says, you know, don't settle for those fast food fixes. He says, there's something more there. And just this, this kind of almost introduction to the, to the, to the, uh, the lesson that he's gonna say, he goes, he goes, don't just go after that quick fix. I mean, do you feel that? Just in day to day living? I mean, there's a quick fix that'll satisfy you quickly. That'll just take care of that immediate need. But will end up being ultimately not satisfying. The contrast Jesus is making is between the things that are temporal and the things that are eternal. Um, have you ever bitten into something, I mean, of one way or another, and just gone, whoa, that's bad. That went bad somewhere. That was just in the fridge too long. You know, uh, one of my girls uh, bit into some, a piece of bread, actually, the other day, and she said, Daddy, this tastes dusty. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, put it away. You know, it's, it's gone bad. Well, that's what this world and this, the, the, this world has to offer. So then, look, look at the second step then. 
Jesus begins to, to, to articulate this more. The crowd says, okay, if you're this eternal life, verse 28, if you're this, 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 uh, this bread, um, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? You know, don't work for food that perishes, you know, do the works of God. How can we get this? And he says, and he says to them in verse 29, he says, believe. Believe in the one whom God has sent. And then they say this very interesting thing. Then, verse, thir- uh, verse 30, he said, they say, what then will you do for a sign? Now, most of us probably wouldn't respond with that. Jesus says, believe, and they say, do a sign. Why? Well, because they're Jews. And what they're doing is they're going back in their mindset to this expectation of a Messiah. And uh, we need to understand the background. Now, if Abraham was, you know, the father of the Jewish nation, number one Jew, then Moses was a quick second. He delivered Egypt, gave them the law, took them to the promised land. And so the Jews in verse 30 are referring back to Exodus chapter 16. This messianic expectation that signs will be done, that this Messiah will come and will save the Jewish nation at a physical level. Remember, political deliverance, economic deliverance, power, all those kinds of things. Um, Exodus 16, verse 4, talks about the Messiah will come and rain bread from heaven on you. So again, this whole idea of manna coming down. And this expectation that a storehouse of manna in heaven and and the Messiah would just open that up. And so Jesus says in verse 32, verily, verily, His answer... I say to you that it is not Moses who gives you bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. So what is it that Jesus is trying to say? Is that the provision, of, the provision has always been from God. It's not been man-made. man-made. Mankind likes to think that, well, I'm the one in control. I'm the one who's going to make things happen. And these Jews, again, are looking at a physical level. From Moses' own mouth in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he's talking about this process of giving things, but, but God not wanting to allow them to, to, to hang on to it. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He, God, humbled you and let you be hungry. He let you be hungry. Get that. And then He fed you with manna, which you do not know, nor do your fathers know, that He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Have you been hungry? Sure. Have you gotten to the place where you're hungry spiritually? We just sang that song. Where there's this discontent inside your heart. Where there's this sense of, that maybe I'm hungry, I'm, I'm full physically, but there's this, as, as, uh, as Dave and I have said sometimes, there's this splinter in my mind. There's this thing that's missing from life. This hunger. And what God is trying to get people to see is that it comes from Him. Now, in a, cu- a culture of affluence, I frankly believe this is one of the biggest hurdles we have to overcome. As you begin to talk to people in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in your environment, you have to say, well, you know what? God is there to satisfy. And they look around and say, I'm satisfied. I mean, 
I'm full. I'm successful. I'm, you know, I've got great relationships. This, that, or the other thing. I mean, that hurdle to overcome is extremely difficult. But it's not this kind of manna. It's manna for the soul. We see that He is the bread from God. He is the true bread. In fact, in John 6.55, He says, My flesh is true food, and my blood is to drink. Now again, we listen to that stuff and we go, that's just disgusting. Right? That's gross. But it's because we put it at this level of being literal. Now, the Jews knew that He wasn't talking about that literally cannibalism. You know, now the Roman world, they accused the Jews of, of cannibalism. They said, wow, this wild sect, their leader said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Weird, right? It's because they didn't understand this bigger issue. What are some applications of these kinds of things? I think, I think the first one is that religious people, people who think, you know, about these kinds of things, try to package things and put it in a formula. Okay, give us the steps we need to take in order to get it, okay? We want to do step one and then step two, step three. Give me the blanks to fill in on my little outline and then life will be good. Three steps to a happy life. Four steps to a satisfying marriage. Five steps to raising perfect kids or whatever, you know, <laughs> right? She says it, it, it's, it's not about a bunch of steps. It's not about doing some kind of form. Oh, if I show up at church on Sunday morning and I read my Bible at least ten minutes a day, five days a week, I'm going to have this perfect life. No, it's, it's, it's about this, this dynamic relationship of, 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 of feeling this sense of need in our lives and going to the source that we can get filled by. And it has to do with belief. This is not something we can earn. By the way, this bread that comes from heaven, you say, well, well, you know, show me what I need to do in order to get it. Let me earn this right. Again, kind of your typical, your typical spiritual answer. Let me, let me earn the right to have this. It's a gift. And the third thing is, it's not something some man can give to you. And this is the beauty of relationship with Christ. You don't have to go someplace and, and, and sign up and get the secret decoder ring and uh, you know get this, this mumbo-jumbo. This is somebody that you come to Christ on, whoever you are, wherever you are, any point in time. Now, we gather here together for fellowship as believers, for encouragement, because there's strength and power in that. But we don't come here together to, to get some secret inside knowledge. Jesus revealed Himself in the Scriptures. You can't sell this. You can't save it. You can't hoard it. You can't box it. No, it's it's free for all. So look at then John six verse thirty four, and they said to him, "Then, Lord, give us this bread." It's interesting parallel to the woman at the well. Remember, they were talking about she was talking about being thirsty, and he was describing these living waters, and she said, "Oh, give me this water." And the, 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 um, the language here gives this idea of, give it to me so I don't ever have to be hungry again. Give it to me so it just continues to come on and on and on. So we can have bread all the time. And again, it's that same idea. Uh, just, just, just make it easy for me, will you? 
Just make it easy so that I can just be satisfied and I can kind of have a, a once for all. I was talking to a lady one time, maybe I've told you this story before, and she said, Pastor, my husband just needs help. He needs to get struck by a lightning bolt from Jesus. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we can pray for that. Uh, I said, more likely, it's that Jesus is going to work on him over time, little by little. Oh, wouldn't you like to have it be just a lightning bolt? You know, you push the easy button, bonk, and everything goes right in the world. Huh? But that's not the way it works. That, that, that's not the way eating works. You eat once and you eat again and you come back. And that's the way a relationship with Christ is. It ebbs and flows and highs and lows and you come back and you say, Jesus, I need you more now than ever. And so you come to Him and you, and you drink and eat deeply. And there are other times when you feel like, Lord, you know things are going pretty good and so I'm, I'm, I'm checking in with you. I'm still going to eat because I know I need to. But that's this dynamic relationship with God. Alright, look at the third thing about Jesus that he says here. And this is where he just kind of lays it on the line. I am the bread of life. That's in verse 35. I am the bread of life. And this is the first of seven ego eimi passages in John. And ego eimi is just the two Greek words that just say I am. And uh, this is just a fascinating study all in itself. But uh, why are these two words important? Well, Jesus is going to go on, and I'm going to show you these ego emis. This is the first one. I am the bread of life. And he'll come back later in chapter 8 and say, I am the light of the world. Again, another metaphor. I am the gate for the sheep. So if you don't like this metaphor stuff, you know, if you're just kind of a give it to me straight, you better get used to it. Because Jesus employs this over and over again in his teaching. He says, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 10 11 and 14. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, as we go through the book of John, you'll see these. John 15, I am, again, another metaphor, the true vine. And, uh, and probably one of the most awesome ones is John, 8 chapter, John chapter 8, verse 58, before Abraham was born, I am. And that's not a, I am the... And then fill in the blank, the good shepherd, I am thee. He says, I just flat out, I am. And uh, that's a whole nother, uh, a whole nother um, set of awesome truths. So here's what we're talking about. Jesus is the one that gives, that he gives um, uh, life to the world. He is this living bread from heaven. Verse 33 says he gives life to the world. That's what it means to be the bread of life. Verse 51, it's living bread. Any, any bakers here? Anybody break, bake bread? Okay, a few. You're all bread eaters, but you're not bread bakers. All right. Uh, now they've got it in a machine, right? You just pour all this stuff in it. Val's got one of those. You just pour all this stuff in a machine, and it kneads it, it mixes it, it takes care of everything, and out comes bread. But it used to be that you used to have to punch bread down, right? Why? Because it's got this living stuff in it called yeast. It grows. It you know it's alive, right? And uh, and, and that's one of these amazing things about bread. And uh, finally, he says, verse thirty-five: "It's me. It's the bread that gives life to the world. It's bread that is living." And then finally, he says, "This bread is me." Now, again, if if somebody were to walk in here on Sunday morning and say, "I am a loaf." 
of bread. <laughs> right? You'd go, okay, fella. The guy in the white coats are coming right for you, you know, right around the corner. Hang on, they'll be here soon. Don't go anywhere. We don't know how to relate to that. But Jews got that. They were accustomed to thinking that way. I mean, especially the Jews, uh, the, the, the religious world. I mean, Jeremiah 15, 16. Uh, again, just this idea. Your words were found and I ate them. Your words became for me a joy and a delight to my heart. So, we don't think that way, but it, lots of people in the world do. Webster gives us insight into bread that goes beyond just ground up wheat. He actually says that bread is a supplying or being supplied with the necessities of life. Something that gives support, endurance, or strength. So it goes beyond just what we fill our stomachs with. Alright, you got that. Alright, so Jesus now kind of hits them with this one-two punch. He said, alright, I am this bread. Now look at verse, the second half of verse 35. He says, I am this bread that satisfies. Verse 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So he says, not only am I this bread, but there's something about a relationship, believing and understanding and knowing who I am, that goes beyond just the physical. He makes this amazing claim with great confidence. Now remember, he's surrounded by people who don't believe. He's surrounded by people who are just looking for, you know, uh, you know, quick in and out McDonald's Pit stop. Just looking for something to satisfy that hunger in their stomachs. Even the disciples will vanish when the chips go down, and, uh, and yet he sounds extremely confident. There's something more than just a full belly here. How can he be so confident? Look at verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. So, there's something more than just Jesus by Himself. He's got this confidence that He's on this mission. Remember later, earlier we said that Jesus said, what is my food? My food is to do the will of the One who sent me. So here He is, He's talking about being sent by God. In fact, three times in this passage, He talks about, I'm being sent by God. And I myself, will. Uh, this is the will of the Father then in verse 40, and I myself, I God, will raise Him up on the last day. So you guys just see this prophet, one of many who are wandering around in the world, but there's something special about this. And verse 44, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. So God is at work in the hearts and minds of some of the people here of working and, and, and connecting a point of understanding. Now there are probably some about that point in time who are saying, well, well when, when did the donuts come out? You know, I, I, came, I heard there were donuts here. When did they come out? And they're beginning to get the idea that, well, maybe it's not going to happen that way. So look at verse 50 now. Talking about this bread, that people will... uh, Sorry, let me go ahead and read it. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. It's this living bread. It's this satisfying bread. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, which is to believe, he will live forever. And And the bread also which I give for my life of the world is my flesh. 
At this, the crowd balks. Look at verse 52. And the Jews begin to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? But, you know, They said, well, I, I thought he wasn't really talking about his flesh, but he keeps driving that home. What does it mean? So verse 53, he just ramps up the intensity. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Sorry, verse 53. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourselves. So this is more than just about, hey, this is one of many options. Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is a life and death issue. Verse 54. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is to drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. This leaves everyone in shock. Religious questions turn to grumblings and grumblings turn to arguments. His, his closest followers admit in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 40, that the sayings are hard and many begin to fall away. You think, well, Jesus, this isn't a very uh, uh, effective plan here. For, for getting your word out. I mean, you're turning people off. It's interesting. That as we look at these passages, we think about what we relate to. We usually tie these back to communion, right? We say, oh, you know, Jesus is talking about communion. We've got to eat the bread and, and drink the cup. It's interesting in the book of John that, that communion, the actual taking of the bread and cup, isn't mentioned. There's washing the feet, there's the Last Supper, but not this is my body given for you. What Jesus is talking about is a relationship with Him, with Him personally. And the key is in verse 51. Look at it there. It says this, I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for my life, uh, for the life of the world, is my flesh. This idea of coming down. It points to a single act of incarnation. I have come down. This, this plan of God, which was begun long past, in ages past, in fact, in eternity past, has come down, and this is the focal point today. Here I am. I have come down out of heaven. And if anyone eats, it's a singular event, a decision to receive eternal life. A decision to say, today I'm, I'm acknowledging Christ as that which satisfies, which takes care of, which fills that, that void in my life. How do we do that? We do that by eating. I'm sorry, we do that by believing. What is the work that we can do to do that? It's believing. It's placing our trust, placing our, our hope, placing all of uh, uh, our confidence before God, in Christ alone. Do I have to keep eating Christ again and again, day after day? No. Some have thought that, well, if I don't take communion on a regular basis, then, then I'm, I'm in jeopardy with God. No, this is a one-time event. Now, we reaffirm and we re-encourage and, and we, we re-declare that, but it's a decision to follow Christ. Many, many had trouble with that statement. Verse 60, And many of His disciples withdrew. 
You know, when it comes to Christianity being popular, right? I mean, you look at some of the messages out there. Come to Jesus and life will be great. Come to Jesus and, you know, your bank accounts will be full. Come to Jesus and these things will happen. And this is what I think Christ is, 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 is speaking against here. Saying, it's not all great. It's not all easy. It's not all smooth sailing. Yes, there will be times when there are things that are hard for us to understand. He says, but He satisfies and He gives eternal life. Let me ask you today, what are you hungry for? Now, I'm not talking about more donuts that are outside. Talking about what are those kinds of things deep inside of your heart that you would love to see fulfilled, satisfied. All kinds of things happen uh, when we think uh, about those things. The idea of being significant. The idea of being loved. The idea of, of, of making an impact on the world. C.S. Lewis says that those desires, those hungers, even physical hungers, all point to something that shows that there's more to life than what meets the eye. Even the desire for the big three, money, sex, and power, right, that are kind of common to all men, point to a deeper and more intimate and more eternal void. Money has to do with that idea of being significant, making a mark, of having, of having value and importance. Sex has to do with a desire for relationship, a desire for intimacy, a desire to know and to be known that I believe God hardwired into us in order to a trigger to say there's, there's more here than just this. And power. The idea of wanting to, be, uh, wanting to make a, an impact that goes beyond myself to exercise all my abilities and all my relationships and all everything that I have for good. And those three things, money, sex, and power, and, and, and others that you can add, taken and tried to be satisfied in a wrong way can be, can be evil. And we see it all around us in our society. We see it throughout history. And so how we respond to those desires inside of us is what's critical. Will we come and offer those, those, those hungers to Christ? Will we come and say, you know, Lord, I'm feeling a little insecure here today. What, what do you think about this? How will you satisfy that need? How will you provide what I need in this area of, of being unsure about, about my career path and not knowing what I'm going to do? And, 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 and is it significant? God, Jesus, do you think it's significant? Now, if we put our trust and faith in Christ, then, then He can come and just speak into those hungers, those, those question marks, those voids in our hearts and minds. So how then do we respond to Jesus being the bread of life? Well, I know a lot of people that like to snack on Jesus. You know, well, I'm feeling a little hungry today, Jesus, so let me just come and take a little taste. And, oh, well, you know, I feel better now, so now I walk away. Jesus didn't have in mind snacking here. He had in mind regularly coming to Him and partaking of Him. Eating on a daily basis. Guess what? Those hungers that you have, those insecurities that you have, those issues that you have, yes, Jesus will come and speak to them and meet them, but most likely they're going to come up again. 
I talked to a guy who became a Christian about eight months ago. And he said, man, you know, I've really uh, seen some victory in the area of partying. I was going out every Saturday night and partying and getting drunk. And, uh, and, uh, and I've seen some, some victories in that. And I said, fantastic. Way to go. Keep on. I said, but don't think that that desire will go away. You know, it's not a magic bullet. You know, you're done with that now. About a month later, he said, man, Kurt, I went out and I just got totally plastered. I said, why? He said, oh, I, was, I, was, I was discouraged. I was despondent. I, was, I said, that's the whole point then of coming and saying, what do I do with this hunger? So, as we think then about this Christ, as we think about, about this bread, I'd like to lead us in a time of prayer. And here's what I'd like for you to think about. Just what are the hungers that come up in your, in your soul? I, I, I'm not talking about, you know, again, physical. I'm talking about what do you find yourself thinking about and feeling a, a lack? Is there something that your soul is hungry for? You know, your future. What is it? You know, and, and, and can we bring that before Christ? And saying, Jesus, what do you want? What do you think? What's your take on this? So, I'd like to lead us in maybe a, a extended time of prayer. And I'm just going to give you some time to process and to think about your own hungers and, uh, and how you're fulfilling them. So, let's, let's go to him in prayer. Jesus, thank you for, for this metaphor of bread. Thank you for, for revealing yourself in a way that we get at a physical level, but sometimes maybe at a spiritual level, it's harder for us to grab onto. Help us, Lord, to, to be able to kind of cut through some of the, the surfacy uh, levels of this and, and, and really begin to explore what the needs of our heart are and the hungers of our heart and the gaps in our heart. And, and, and Lord, for some of us, maybe that shows up in, in, in fears. And, and we feel a gap for you in, in the fears that we have. Lord, today, we, we want to offer those to you. And ask you to satisfy. Afraid, God, of, of financial problems. Afraid, God, of, of uh, relational issues. Afraid. And, and Lord, we want to bring those to you today and ask Jesus, the bread of life, to please fill those needs. Lord, some of us um, feel this, this hunger in, in insecurities. And, and we express them, Lord, in, in our relationships with other people by being reserved or, or, or by being loud and, and obnoxious. Uh, Lord, you know what's going on there. God, would you meet us in our hunger, in our insecurities? There's something missing, God. And we try to fill it up with other things. Jesus, would you please fill that void? Meet that hunger for us today. Lord, whatever the gaps are, we know that you are able to fill them. And so we come to you um, thanking you, God, 
for your word. We come thanking you, Lord, for a, just a day-by-day dynamic relationship. And, and uh, we're so glad that we don't have to wait till Sunday to, to have a banquet in front of us, a feast. And, and you're there, and you're ready, and you're willing to meet our need. And not just meet it a little bit, but to be more than enough. In fact, so much more, Lord, that you can give enough to us that we can actually have some to give to others. That out of our hunger and out of our brokenness and out of our emptiness and out of our need, we, as you fill it up, we spill over streams of living water, banquets of blessing that can come out of us, not because we're so great, Lord, but because... You're more than enough. And so show us, Lord, how to do that and and how to allow you to speak through us and to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.